to the table where everyone gets to take a seat. I am your host, Isaac Sanders, and I am here with the True Good Duty League. Hey! Hey, girl, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I have a five-day vacation, so I'm pretty ecstatic. Wait, you have a five-day vacation? Yeah, girl. Um, I don't normally work today, and then... Um, to start off summer, uh, the CEO was like, ain't nobody coming to work for, oh, okay. yeah, so, and then, like, what is it, Memorial Day on Monday, right, and, and then, so it was just like, tomorrow, Monday. they were like, we're gonna start off summer kicking it, ain't nobody coming to work, and then we only work till noon on Fridays for the whole summer, so, oh, that's lit, I'm really into that, well, um, Usually we start off by talking about how we met. So me and Lee go back a little bit. Not necessarily that far back, but like back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I remember we had this conversation. It was me, you, and another queer black person. And we were sitting in the union. And we were just talking for, what, like two hours after the event that we went to about, like, looking at being queer and black. And, like, that girl, that's not the first time we met. That was the first time. Shut up. No, that was the first time we really started to connect. The first time we met was at the Queer Summit, like, four months prior. Yes, it was. I was there. Remember, I said I went to you, and I was like, "Do I know you? You look really familiar." And then you were like, "No, I'm new here. I just came from Oklahoma." And you were talking about like at the time, I don't know what product you were putting in your hair, but we started talking about hair, and then you talked about like some of your indigenous history, and I was like, "You know, my hair would do the same thing that yours would as well." Not necessarily for indig- because of like any sort of indigenous lineage, but more so because white people. Um, so oh, shit. we did that did happen. Oh my god! Yeah, I really was convinced that we had met that moment mm-hmm. when it was like us three. Damn, that's wild! Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that is crazy. But regardless, me and you have become very, very close. We literally got close right before you left, mm-hmm. and then you left and went to the better place than where I'm at currently. And you're just living your best life. I'm, I'm trying. For it. And you, like, literally have been here for me this whole entire podcast, podcast like, Jimmy, like, you literally have been, like, behind the scenes, like, talking to me, like, working with me through, like, all of my feelings and emotions around it. And so, like, I am very thankful for you being in my life. Oh, thank you. Mm. But when I cry, this is not going to be one of those episodes. I just don't have the energy. Okay. No tears. No tears. Please, no tears. But anyway. So Hashtag no tears left to cry. I'm screaming. Buy it on iTunes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, anyway, so here at the table, we have a tentative meeting schedule starting with appetizers where we break the ice, so to speak. Um, today, we're going to talk about what we brought to the table today. So I don't know exactly what that's like. What do you bring into the table? So like feelings, maybe like um, interesting topics, whatever you want to bring to the table today. Um, and we have the main course where we talk about the topic of the day, which is being a black, well, like a person of color who is mass presenting, who is primarily attracted to white men, um, which is like not talking about like the proofs of the, it was like the second episode that I ever did with like Javon and Anthony and just talking about like whiteness and being attracted to whiteness or like the, um, what was it? I can't even remember that episode. It was so long ago. Yeah, it was a while. I've been doing this. It's been so long. Regardless, long. this is the topic that we're talking about. And then just desserts where we vent about whatever we want to and then wrap things up. So what are you bringing to the table today? Well, I was going to bring to the table um, a video game uh, that you may not have heard of. I don't believe you ever have. Have you ever heard of Xenosaga? I've heard the name. I've never played it. It um, is wonders. I had a conversation with somebody about it yesterday. Like, I think I talked to my friend Kate about it yesterday. Okay, well... Shout out to you, Kate, because you're a real one. You know exactly how good this game is. It takes a lot of uh, Judeo-Christian, um, like, 
story narrative um, of the Bible and kind of flips it on its head. Um, Jesus is a part of your party um, throughout the inter- like the entirety of the game. You don't know he's Jesus until the end of the second game, and then you find out in the third game. And uh, Mary Magdalene shows up. She's a part of the third game. Like, it's some shit. I love it. I'm sorry, Wait, can we cuss on, on here? Huh? Can we cuss on here? Yes, of course. Okay, well, it's on the PlayStation Network to download now. It was originally a PS2 game. Okay. Yeah, but you can get it on the PlayStation Network. All three, so okay. Xenosaga 1, 2, and 3. It's wonderful. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh, I'm into it. Oh, I'm really into that. Okay. What? Um, I don't even know what I'm bringing to the table. Maybe, like... No, I know what I'm bringing to the table. So I recently did a Facebook post about um, the governor in Georgia. The, well, not a, like, what do you call him? What do you call him when you put the person up for the governor? Yeah, the nominee candidate. Yeah, the nominee candidate. This black woman, what is her name? Her Stacey name Abrams. Abrams. Stacey yes. Abrams. So I'm like really, really nervous about her being a candidate in Georgia. But, um, I think it's really important to bring up that we need to rally around black women, specifically black women in the public eye, specifically in politics, because a lot of the time they get like drunk and bashed. I'm like, remember the Obama president, the presidency. And I think about like, people like Obama, like on nooses and stuff like that. And how that's like triggering in general as like a black body, but also like the idea of like black women need to be appreciated and cared for Preach. Look, I'm not playing with y'all. I'm like over it at this point. <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess this is our first break because that was really, really fast. I'm really into this like black position of this. Oh my gosh. I try. I do. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. Hey y'all, it's Isaac here, and I wanted to take a moment to talk about an opportunity for you to support The Table Podcast. There's this nifty website called Patreon that gives you special access to me and other members of The Table for as little as $5 a month. By becoming a patron, which is a paying subscriber, you will not only be supporting The Table Podcast, but also joining us underneath the table as we talk about other topics ranging from what I ate for breakfast this morning to why I cannot sleep at night, which is oddly connected. There will also be exclusive content with some old and new guests, including people like Aaron, Lily, Darren, and anybody else who wants to join the pod. I'm excited for the opportunity to do even more work, and I am thankful for all the support, regardless of if you are a patron or not. Thank you so much for riding this wave with me, and let's get back to the show. Yes. That's me. Um, <laughs> to be very concise and very clear. Um, and it's not really that I'm much primarily attracted to white men. I feel like I have to defend myself before we even get into this conversation <laughs> because I feel like people are going to be like, oh, so clearly Isaac doesn't love himself and he only likes white dick and blah, 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 blah. It's not that I like white dick because if it was about the concept of like whiteness and me like wanting to be attracted to like the privilege that a whiteness is, like maybe possibly, I don't really know. I could unpack that later. But like I don't only date white guys I date other POCs and when it comes to like my queerness I primarily date women of color so it's not necessarily a race thing but we'll get into that later I just have to defend myself first because you know these people don't come out here coming out to me like I'm some other black person who is in the public eye who only dates white people aka most of them so mm mm because, I mean, like, going back, like, I mean, we can start off talking about how Childish Gambino has all of that flag from saying the comment that he was saying black women don't like blurs or nerdy black men, and how that was, like, completely 100% false, but they were coming for the fact that he has a white partner. And that's frustrating, right? Because especially living in this world that we live in, like, a lot of people who are black and they date outside of their race, it's all of a sudden like invalidating their blackness right they're mm-hmm. like not black enough because they're dating somebody who's not black too and i mean like it's not that i'm not dating people who are black it's that it's hard out here 
Mm-hmm. It's really hard out here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, we can talk about that later. There's so many things we can talk about. It's fine. So what do you want to get on the girl? Because there's, there's a lot. Um, do you want me to kind of defend my position on why I predominantly don't date white men? Yes, please go there. Because I feel okay. like that's something that needs to be brought to this conversation. So, um, uh, I'm going to shameless plug myself because this kind of ties into the conversation. If you haven't listened to um, Getting Gay Pod, you should. Um, and if you listen to It All Fell Down, I think that's episode six, um, then you can kind of hear my backing and reasoning as to, like, how I got here, um, and why I kind of view whiteness and and people with privilege in the way that I do. Um, and you should just kind of listen to that and the subsequent episodes because they kind of all tie in together and give, like, a thorough construction of, like, my headspace. Um... But mainly, I just want... Here's a few things that I want when I want to have a partner. I want to have somebody that I do not have to teach all the time. Like, I don't want to have to teach them. And when I say teach them, like, you're going to have to teach your partner about you no matter what. Because it's part of the relationship. But so far as oppression and how that works, I shouldn't have to teach you, like the basic concept of oppression because that's for a lot of white guys that are into me that would be the starting point is just tackling that that you know hmm you like me is this a preference thing are you fetishizing my body like we would have to have that entire discussion so I could probably be okay with dating a white person, but if I end up having to teach them all the time, they better be paying a bill that I have, and I should never have to pay for anything than when we go out. Because you're getting my labor. Like, the things that I'm teaching you, people usually have to pay tuition for at a university. (laughs) Oh my god, a word. (laughs) A full word. So... But yeah... Yeah, sorry, I had a drink. But... (laughs) I had to, like, like really sip a tea real quick. Um, yeah, I just... I don't think that I should have to really sit here and do that. I When I get into a relationship, I want to come as my full self and not have to put in this extra labor that I expect for, like, reciprocity purposes... Like, I expect you to come as yourself, but also to understand, like, who I am when I come to the table. I shouldn't have to be explaining why I'm sitting at the table with you and how that's valid in and of itself. And, like, just that's so, there's so much there for me to have to unpack and constantly have to teach and talk about over and over and over and over again that it would just become really taxing. And I'm like, this is a job where I'm getting sex and money and, like, free things, but I don't know that I I would call that a relationship because am I getting that emotional fulfillment from this person because they may not even be equipped because they come without the necessary knowledge about who I am and how I walk through this world. So I typically avoid white men because of that because they're oftentimes the ones that are the worst about this because everybody ain't at the same place that everybody like you know where I am in this race other people are not so I understand there's going to be some level of that no matter who I end up with but I don't want you to have to be in the parking lot and for me to have to go all the way back to the parking lot and pull you up to the starting line of where this race is and then bring you back to where I am right it's that knowledge system thing like going back on that idea of I understand how you navigate the world because I have the same skin tone as you. Because I know, for me, being queer, it's really difficult to even like work and operate with people, specifically when I'm dating women or I'm in a relationship with a woman um, or a female-presenting person. Um, it's very difficult because I'm constantly trying to figure out, like oh, like, how do I talk about my queerness? Like, will you let me be open about that part of me? But, like, when I'm with a white person, it's the same exact thing, right? So um, we're, like, constantly um, 
trying to find a way of like validating myself and I think it was really powerful that you said the thing about reciprocity in a relationship because a lot of the times that reciprocity is not what begins the relationship it's like when you're learning about someone and you're starting to learn and this goes for like friendships even also when you're learning things about people you learn like the things that like trigger them or the like like little things that like operate for them when it comes to like my race and the way that I navigate the world when I'm dating um, when I'm dating a white guy I'm on a first date and like I start talking about like racial stuff and the guy's like completely not into it all of a sudden I'm just like okay this isn't safe like you literally were dating me because of like some reason to like get your rocks off and like I'm not in I'm not into it anymore. So, like, I feel like it's, like, safety and, like, navigating it, but you never know because sometimes, like, later down the line, you find out that it's, like, horrible. Or you meet their parents and you realize that both of their parents are bigots and you don't understand how this person is, like, even okay with you existing. That's usually the part that, like, really messes me up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the safety is not there. Just safety in general. Safe and security. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, I typically don't, um, I typically don't go for, um, white guys. It's very interesting, um, because when I was in Lawrence, I found more white guys that were, like, competent about race that would be attracted to me, as opposed to now that I'm back home in Chicago, it's very much the exact opposite. I get, you know, the muscle gays who don't know shit, uh, I get the chubby chasers, um, and, like, I also talked about on my show about, um, you know, I just get more so fetishized for sex if I'm on the apps that are more so for my body type, because for grinder, I'm too fat for grinder, and, like, you, you and I have talked about this fact that I'm, like, skinny fat, um, so I'm too fat for grinder. But I'm not, I'm, like, idolized on Growler um, because I don't have nearly as much fat as most other people. So then, you know, because I have that lower amount of body fat, then I'm idolized and then I'm not necessarily approached of, like, hey, how you doing? Let's talk. It's usually fetishization, like, almost always. And it's just, like, oh, awesome, black guy who's, not that fat, just like just like how I want them, can kind of like dominate you because of your body frame is going to be smaller, which may not even be the case. I don't know why that you would assume that immediately. It's just, it's very weird, but it's just like they come for me for like checking the mark off the list of I almost like when they t- go to the bar or whatever or like or hanging out with their buddies they can say, oh, yeah, I had a thing with a black guy once. Like, that's very much what I get. Whereas when I talk to other men of color, I have had meaningful, more meaningful conversations and potential for relationships when I've talked to men of color. And I've talked to, like, literally almost, yeah, actually, like, everyone across the spectrum I've had at least one conversation with them where I was potentially thinking about dating them at one point. Like, yeah. literally everyone. So, it it's usually... But I'm very much a Capricorn, so, like, you know, my standards are really high, so it, it takes a while before they make it... If they make it to the first date, they're lucky, and if they make it past the first date, he's a keeper. Otherwise, I have yet to have anybody make it past the first date, so... There's that. I don't know. There's probably something there. Maybe I'm being too hard on people. I don't know. I mean, don't blame yourself for having standards. I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> because coming from a person who didn't have standards for like a solid six months, um, it's okay to have standards and it's okay to um, be selective. But um, yeah, I like when you talk about all these things, it's so interesting because I think about these things all the time. Um, especially when it comes to like dating people or stuff like that. And like, usually the typical like white guy that I end up dating happens to be someone who like is in a very like academic, like privileged educational spot. And I met them 
doing the work that I do. So, like, I'll meet them in, like, a social justice, like, um, retreat, or I'll meet them, like, um, like, at a PhD function, which, like, I don't even have a PhD, but I'm in there. And so, um, it's like I have this very distinct type of white, like, gay or queer person that I end up dating. But then even there, I have problems. Like, I was um, talking to this one guy recently, and, like, a lot of the, well, literally, this is every single time. Okay, whatever. This is, like, this is a typical, like, Isaac dating the white guy. Um, so, essentially, I would have a conversation, and we'd be talking about something. Everything would be fine. I think the first white guy that I was, like, in a serious relationship with, he, like, would, like, one time he touched my hair, right? And I had a giant fro at the time. And so he touched it, and he would, like, before he touched it, he, like, prefaced the conversation by saying, I'm not touching your hair out of this fascination for black hair being different than your mind. I'm touching it because this is how I show affection. That messed me up. Like, actively messed me up. Because I was like, what the hell? Like, this is, this is not normally how this works. Like, usually this is how, like, this whiteness goes. And it was like, I was, like, in love with this idea of, like, oh, touch my hair because of this. But there was other red flags that I was missing because there'd be this one moment that was, like, super cute and I was into it that, like, would work. But then it, like, slowly, like, it's like a pimple. It'll slowly build up until it pops. And then all of a sudden, I'm, like, mad at driving home like multiple miles pissed off because he like something problematic and it wasn't me who saw it it was when i introduced them to my friend and all of a sudden this person had like caused the whole entire issue because of a conversation that i would be okay with but my friends are not and i don't know if it's because i give so much grace to people who are just trying to learn or people who are just trying to like navigate the world and can make mistakes but like I'm just not that angry. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I don't get that mad about stuff like that. But at the same exact time, like, I am very cautious. And when things go left, they go left. And I'm out. But, you know, I, like, I give myself to violence all the damn time because I want to learn. And then I go and teach other people how this works. And then, like, it's a learning lesson for everybody. But, like... This is literally, this conversation is making me think how I need to, like, protect my body more, but it's fine. protect yourself. Um, so, I guess to move this little train along, um, I guess... Thank you for keeping me together, because you know I can sit here and talk about this whole entire situation over and over again, and not move the train along, so thank Um, you. do you mind if I ask you a question? Oh, yeah, go on. Can I ask you a question? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, I think we should kind of, like, talk about the fact that, um, a lot of girls out here, um, would look at you being with white men and say, uh, that you're Snow Queen off the bat, and I would want to know what you would think about that kind of label, because even though you preface this at the beginning... They would be like, oh, homegirl, she don't love herself. And so they would just write you off as, you know, one of the gays that looks funny in the light. Um, and and I would, I it, previously before our conversations, I would have been like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So I just, I would want you to tell the peoples. Okay, tell them how so you really feel. We had this conversation yesterday um, because me and Lee talk all the time. And um, this conversation was uh, really funny, but like we came to the um, realization that like you can be a white gay and not actually be a white gay. Mm. And um, I think that's what a snow queen is necessarily. It's like this idea of I'm going to act and participate in white gayness by taping and being okay with the person that I'm with being problematic towards me and people who look like me and not saying anything about it. And I think the difference between me and a lot of other like black and brown folks who primarily date white folks is that I'm not complacent to it. I refuse to be complacent to it. The moment that you say something problematic, I'm cussing you out. And I may or may not like stay with you. Like that would be like a like deal breaker for me. Like, I do not engage with problematic behavior. It doesn't matter how good your dick is, because usually they're not that great. Mm. But, like, mm. 
But, like, regardless, like, I'm not going to give up my whole entire humanity to be with a white person who doesn't see me as a full human being because they have, like, uh, they have to unlearn stuff. Like, don't come to me, like, with with your baggage. Like, I'm not going to help you unlearn it. I refuse. Like, I absolutely refuse. I don't do that with friendships. <laughs> like, if you come in to confide in me and you're asking a question, like, I will show up as a friend, but I'm not showing up as a teacher. If you show, like, uh, I just, for me, if, I just don't have, that's probably why I don't have a lot of, like, white friends, or any, really, like, Luke is literally probably the only white friend, like, real friend that I have at this point, because I try to do, um, that unlearn, or, like, give people the tools to do that unlearning for free, and it was just too emotionally taxing. I was like, I am not here trying to be a student while being an unpaid teacher at the exact same time. That was what really ran me off of Facebook. Because yeah. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to sit here and constantly be trying to teach white people because white people would either be in my comics just really upset that I'm calling out whiteness and, like, you know, they get blocked. Or they're there asking questions consistently. Or they're in my messages constantly asking me asking me like oh well, what do you think of this hmm i saw because van jones was out here talking some mess <laughs> and you know they were like well i think he kind of aligns with this well what do you think and then there was sean king well what do you think about sean king and i'm just like i this is too much i can't keep doing this and then they would repeatedly like put videos of like police brutality and dead black bodies on my time line and i was just like oh yeah i'm 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 getting off of here uh yeah so i just i left yeah like you have to leave because i I was um i recently came to the realization that like my opinion is too good to be to be free like if you care about what i'm saying then you need to pay me especially if it's not like a like mutual reciprocity kind of situation if i'm talking to you um like, it's almost like paying somebody to come speak. Like, you're not going to have me at a community organizing event and not paying me because I'm just a black body that gets a platform. I need to get paid and have a platform because what I'm saying is important. Because clearly you need me to speak because you don't have the experience or the knowledge or the, like, position to talk to this. Exactly. So why are you going to allow me to sit here and be on Facebook and go off like that? But, like, we're literally, like, going down a tangent of, like, but this is, like, know that this actually works because the thing is like to have a reciprocal relationship with whiteness in general as like a black or brown like any poc kind of body is to literally give a part of you to this whiteness and i don't think it's fair for white people to think that we're just supposed to be like oh like this is how you're supposed to act and this is why it needs to be nice and like because i'm sleeping with a white guy or i'm in a relationship with a white guy because like literally i do not date white women and that is a whole other conversation but um when it comes to like me dating white guys, they know up front. Like I don't like front about this kind of stuff. Like I'm literally like these are the things I say. This is how I talk. This is what I'm about. And if you're not into it, or you feel like I'm doing too much, or you at any point in time tell me to calm down, it's on and pop, and I'm swinging. Like I will fight you. Mm-hmm. I will fight you. Like I am very much the vixen in this idea of like I I'm here to fight. Like I don't. I don't live my life in fear from whiteness, but I am very quick to fight it. I'm not scared of you, but I will beat your ass. Mm. I don't care what kind of police officer you're going to call on me, because I'll probably be there ass too. I'm ready to die. But that's not the point. I'm not ready to die. That was really dark. <laughs> well, I just wanted to go ahead and let the people know at least about that part. Um, I will... Yeah, because I think... I don't really to answer the question. Essentially, because <laughs> I think I just, like, really ran off on a tangent. But, like, yeah. the point is, just because you see me as something, that has nothing to do with me. And I'm not going to stop doing the work, and I'm not going to stop being who I am just because I'm with the white person. Just because I have somebody on my arm who has privilege doesn't mean that I'm going to act any differently. Because I know where I stand up. I know where I stand up. Wait, I know how I show up, and I know what I stand up for. And so... Me not having me being with a white person does not allocate me any more privilege than somebody being with another black person. 
it doesn't change no matter what. Because the moment that I get pulled over in a car with a white person and I get pulled out the car and get arrested and they don't and they can't protect me, that's still me being black in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's not, like I was saying, I don't know if I said this. No, I did when I have the little, like, and did this on Twitter. Twitter is like where I live my best life. But, um, the idea of a black person being with a white person and you guys having problem with that black person being with a white person is on the lines of being a hotel. It's like really, really close. Yeah. And that's how I feel about that. I, I think it is. Cause I think you're, you're, it's a lot of things with hoteness is like making a lot of false equivalencies. Um, and I think that's kind of what happens when you look at, uh, black and brown people who have a white partner is if you uh, unless they give you real reason to you really shouldn't look at them any differently because like you were saying before you know you're going to show up how you're going to show up uh, some white now some white people will be with a person of color and you will see dramatically a shift I mean mm-hmm. look at Kanye he died <laughs> I mean, he died. Um, Fully. When, he gave to the white devil, and he was ready to go. Yes, he died. Like, he's just gone. And that's that's an example of where it's like, mm, mm-hmm, yeah. Because the ones that look funny in the light will show you that they look funny in the light. They won't approach you. They won't talk to you. They will literally be in a room full of white people and you will be the only other person of color and they will flat out ignore the fact that you even exist and go off to some other white person in the room rather than acknowledge your existence. Exactly. So that those people will they don't they don't hide. They are very bold in the fact that they're like, yes I do have a white partner and what of it? You gonna beat my ass? No. So I mean, those people don't, they don't care. My point is, like, they don't care. They really do not care, and they will be out here bold and not ashamed whatsoever that they are with a white person and that they want to be a part of whiteness. Right. And that's, like, that, like, astounds me because the thing is being black, in my experience, is cultural. Like, it doesn't matter how much of whiteness has been in my life. Like, I grew up in PPPIs my whole entire life, but when I go home and I'm with my grandparents, I'm literally where I'm supposed to be. I feel like I'm at home. I navigate whiteness really, really well, but that doesn't mean that you'll get all of me. I don't give myself to whiteness. I've never done that. And I mean, like, there was times in my assimilation process where I tried to do that to survive, but at the end of the day, I hold who I am at my core. And that's, like, really frustrating to watch people get mad at black people who are trying their best and just because they grew up in a certain area and got accustomed to liking people who didn't look like them and then you get to a point where you finally find black people like in college and they're like oh my gosh like I don't understand what you're going through I'm like yeah because you grew up in like Georgia you was in Atlanta you was in like Houston you was around people who look like you and I didn't have that experience and so therefore I'm probably going to end up dating somebody who doesn't look like me mind you I made that choice and I actively unlearned a lot of those things, but it is something that is comforting about being around the people who I'm used to being around. Specifically, coming from this standpoint of being black and queer is really, really hard, especially mm-hmm. when you're growing up around black straight men mm-hmm. who are not safe. And so, mm-hmm. therefore, this experience where I see a whole bunch of black people who treated me badly because I was a little bit more effeminate than the rest of the people who looked like me. And then, therefore, I was cast off and I wasn't allowed to be in those spaces. Of course, I was hanging out with white people. They were the only people who wanted to be my friends. They were the only people who wanted to be around me, who wanted to date me, who wanted to, like, engage with me as a person. So, therefore, when I come... And then, also, there's, like, another layer of the only time that I've ever experienced any kind of violence, like, sexually or, like, um, as a child, like, being molested or something like that, which, like, definitely trigger warning. So sorry. But, um... Like, those kinds of things, it's, like, only been 
black and brown bodies. And so therefore, that's not safe for me. And so safety may be in a white body, but it's not completely safe. And like, therefore, dating like men in general is not necessarily the safest thing for me. Um, but it is, it plays all of this place factors, it's layers. And so like, my experience is completely different than a lot of other people's experiences. And I mean, like, even talking to you, like our experiences are completely different. Exactly. So, so there's reasons why I'm where I'm at. And there's and they're completely valid because nobody's gonna sit here and tell me any of those are invalid. But um, but it, that's like a process through it. But there's like also a whole bunch of other things like where there is people who didn't experience what I like experience and still choose to be that. And like I'm not judging them for doing that as long as you're not oppressing people who look like you. Mm-hmm. Listen, I just I think that I need to definitely tag along to what you were saying before because I used to be very viscerally afraid of the fact that I found white men attractive, that I found (laughs) other, like, non-black PLC attractive because even when I was like, okay, well, it doesn't really matter what they think, even if my family's okay with me being gay when I'm, like, out here and about... If I show up with somebody who is not black, what is that going to do? Because it'll just be the same way as if I were straight and I came home with a person of this same race. Like, we would still have this very awkward tension and almost not necessarily feel like it's betrayal, but like you're inviting somebody else into this space and we don't know if this person is safe. And so now I'm being looked at as like, so you're going to be that black person? Like, perfect example, Luke and I went to the friend zone. Luke was one of five white people in attendance. Um, Yeah, one of five white people. And the whole black person who had brought this white person into this predominantly black space and, like, was... I felt like eyes were on me and I was, like, I was the traitor in the room. Mind you, gonna spill some tea the girl who brought her white man up in the front was the one that y'all needed to be looking at and looking at sideways. Not me and my friend. Because <laughs> he, he was the one up there in the front who called that girl a nigger back in fourth grade. And she told the friends on that. So y'all see? Listen. And, the, and the, you know what? And that's like a prime example of like what I feel like is the next topic of talking about this Swirl Nation kind of bullshit. Um, So if y'all don't know what that is, Swirl Nation is a group of, like, people who are in interracial relationships, and they're very, very proud of it for very problematic reasons. Um, For example, Swirl Nation is the type of people who only want biracial um, kids because they're going to have pretty hair and pretty eyes. Swirl Nation is the type of people who get into relationships so they can take as many pictures on Instagram and create whole entire Instagram accounts and YouTube channels because they have an interracial relationship and they look extremely cute, but only cute in like the very stereotypical like um, stereotypical beauty standards cute. So like the black guy is very muscular, very um, like fit, and the white guy or white girl because that's usually how it goes. It's never the other way around. Um, is very slim, very um, attractive, just like um, aesthetically and like all that other stuff. It's frustrating because that's what usually is the reason why like black folks get so frustrated about black people dating outside their race because they think that's the reason. Like they choose them because of all of these beauty standards reasons and it's not because maybe they actually care about the other person. And so like that situation where like he called you a nigger in fourth grade and you really are still talking to him. Like you really let that go? No, she didn't let it go. This black girlfriend who I don't even know if she knows that this happened, she called somebody else who was in the audience a nigger in fourth grade. Wait, what? Yes. So for those that haven't seen it, they tweeted it out on the actual Friendzone Pod Twitter account, so you can just check it there, scroll down enough. Um, There's a screenshot of the girl, and she mostly explains. The guy's name is Mike. Hey, Mike. Uh... And he, in fourth grade, called this lady a nigger, and they, um, 
you know, were at the friend zone with, he was there with his black girlfriend, who I don't even know if she knows that this happened, but the lady in the audience did not cause a scene. She just simply rode into the friend zone um, shortly after the event, made a Facebook post about it, sent it in with the, like the screenshot of the Facebook post to her email. They posted it on their Twitter account and talked about it on the show. people change and people grow and stuff like that and uh, that's the reason why like it's so hard to be a black person and date white people because there's always this like there's always that like oh they're growing all that other stuff but like how do you reconcile violence in a relationship with somebody else who like maybe did the violence beforehand but like you're just gonna be complacent to that like it's so hard like they have to go through some like retribution phase for that kind of thing and i know i remember i was problematic i mean i was out here being problematic like all through high school but like i let white people say the n-word all the time to me when i was in high school but like do i still talk to those people no especially if they're still using it like my my friends who did and like now know better like are 10 times like we're closer because of that like we know like that was a problem and we recognize that but i feel like that's like not the case for a lot of people and like this whole entire conversation is making me rethink my whole entire like my life choices maybe i just need to be straight girl uh, that is an off my conversation um, what I did want to say though is like because I the, going back to the whole traitor thing I um definitely moved towards like when I was in my coming out process uh, I'll give you all a little bit of a hint of what's going to come for next week on my show uh, where we talk about all this yes, stuff. Yes, please go listen to Get Gay. It's cute. And I love it. And I love you and Luke. You guys are my faves. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, like, when I was doing my whole coming out process, I would follow multiple relationship blogs on Tumblr. And on Tumblr, I would follow the black ones because I felt like if I... It felt almost like somebody was watching me. And I was like, well, I have to follow the black ones and like them because I'm black. But I spent maybe 10 minutes on it because it was like almost, it was like really weird. I validated in my head and I'm like, well, see, I don't have a problem with black people. I just choose to want to be with a white guy. And then I would like stay on multiple like white gay like relationship blogs for hours on end going through Every single photo, liking it, reblogging it. Like, literally, my blog on Tumblr for short, like, not even shortly after. It was for like three months or so, was literally just reblogs of relationship posts. That was it. Like, That's nothing else. That's like a lot in general. But it was of specifically uh, white boys. Like, it wasn't white guys with other black men. It wasn't like interracial couples, it was just white guys. But also, I wanted to know, can I read um, the Swirl Nation people? I said I was going to do it on Twitter, and I feel like this is a good time. Yeah, go on. Okay, wonderful. So, as Isaac said before, you know, Swirl people, they get on here, and they have a whole bunch of internalized bullshit, and they want to go ahead and tout that for the whole world to see, like we're just idiots. So, here's what I got to say to y'all. Y'all need to take a good, hearty, long look in the mirror and ask, why in the hell am I doing this? When you turn over at night, do you honestly look at your partner and think, they love me for who I am? Do y'all let, do you let him say nigger when, when he's blowing your back out, sis? Do you? Because cause I bet you do. I bet you do. So why is it that in every other context, 
If a white person came up to you and said, hey, nigger, you would have a problem with it. But when your man is blowing your back out and said, yeah, you little nigger bitch, you like this dick, don't you? Now, all of a sudden, it's yes, daddy. I want to know. I am confused. I am confusion. So I just want you to go ahead and take that look in the mirror and really say, is it worth it? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is your life even working? Because chances are when you do wrong, it shows up not only in what you're doing wrong, but in everything else. It just don't work and you can't figure out what is the problem. Maybe it's you. Okay, I'm done. You know, you can't help people who don't want to help themselves. And I hate commenting on people internalized homophobia, like internalized depression. Like, I get it. It's a thing. We all go through it. And I don't like, I don't feel comfortable with a marginalized, like about maybe another marginalized identity or like somebody who's not within that group says something about it. Because honestly, I've like changed the thought process around this like a lot because I remember people commenting on my internalized racism, internalized homophobia when I was really coming out of this process. And I used to get so mad because I was like, these people don't know what I'm going through. They don't know like my struggles. They don't know my whole entire story. And like, sure, if you don't know my whole entire story, you can't say nothing to me. But there's a lot of situations where people who are people of color because they came for whiteness so much allow shit to slide that is not necessarily okay like for example i'm not gonna name no many names because i don't want to be out here on the streets getting like people dragging me for whatever there's a lot of people in drag who allow a lot of problematic shit to happen and then just sit here and be like well it is it is what it is it is what it is because i need to get this gig i need to still get books i need to make sure this sisterhood is still alive mm. and also mm. Y'all mm. need to recognize what drag was built off of. Mm. You need to recognize what bomb culture started with. And you need to pay homage to those people who were black and brown, who were being got at by white people and being given money by white people who were fetishizing them the whole entire time. Like, you're just going to allow that to continue to per- perpetuate throughout history and pretend like we're talking about it. Because it is it really worth it? Is it really worth it at the end of the day? Because I just feel like is it complicated? Because I I know that there are some people that are very much just like I'm not gonna fuck up this check. I need to make sure all my bills are paid. And then there are other people I'm certain that say that, but what they really want to say is. I'm going to secure this bag until these checks come in enough to where then I can cuss every white person down because they need to be. And it's like trying to find that happy place. Cause I know in like episode three, you had Jamila on and y'all were talking about how you're going to get this bill paid. Like how you going to get this bill paid? If I'm cussing out everybody who is willing to even, if I didn't say anything, even willing to remotely pay me like $2, like what am I going to do? So yeah. it becomes very complicated and nuanced in that very specific vein. But for a lot of y'all, that ain't the situation. Like that's not, that's not the issue here for some of y'all. It's just that you, you got some stuff you got to work through, sis. 
I don't right. know if you need a good, you know, hearty hug against somebody's bosom where you can just cry and talk about your feelings. I don't know if that's what you need. But what I do know is that you You need need something. You need something. Because the milk that you're drinking right now, something in the milk ain't clean. Right. You might need to get some chocolate milk, maybe some strawberry milk, maybe like some almond milk. I don't know. But the milk you're drinking ain't okay. That's all I want to know. They could be. Listen, girl, they have lactate. What's the problem? Damn. Well, okay, I wanted to end us with a situation, maybe. I don't know if it's a situation. So, did you watch Dear White People, the second season? Mm-mm. You can just okay, go ahead and well, tell me. I don't care. I'm just about to spoil it. So, spoiler alert, if you really care about watching Dear White People and you have, like, haven't seen the second season, you should, like, skip ahead until, like, I don't know. Um, but in, um, I believe it's episode eight, there is a real, real, real valid conversation between Sam and Gabe, who was the white guy that Sam was sleeping with. Oh, they're not sleeping together Sam, no more? Hmm? They're not together no more? They, they, it's empty. Like, see, I'm not going to give you everything so you actually watch it. Like, <laughs> but, the, um, no, because they broke up in season one. After, like, right before that protest happened in season one, because he wasn't down for the protest, mm. they broke up. Mm. So, yeah. So, they're, like, not together. But, um, they have this nuanced conversation around, like, yo, this is how this works, and the reason why I'm doing this is because of my bike built And, like, Sam was going off, he was going off, and it was a strong conversation that needs to happen when it comes to those kinds of relationships and friendships with whiteness, because... As a black body, I get so frustrated sometimes with my white friends because I feel like they don't get it. And I don't know if it's because I don't get them or I don't feel like there's enough reciprocity in the relationship, but there's a conversation that needs to be had that basically says, like, look, I get that you're white and these are all the things that you come with, but you need to lay out, like, the parameters of why you are where you're at. Because a lot of the times, I don't even know why I am where I'm at. And if I talk through it with my white partner or my white friend, usually we can come to we can come to this, like, agreement of, like, this is where we're at and this is why we're friends. Mm-hmm. But, like, that conversation never happens. Like, I don't think there's enough investment a lot of the times with those kinds of friendships because that is energy. And that's energy that, like, sometimes I can't expand. And that's why I end up cussing out white people because I get so frustrated because I'm so tired. Um but it's one of those things, like, I think that, like, that visual, if you just go and watch the episode, because it's literally the whole entire episode, it's really powerful at looking at this dynamic of how to have that conversation and basically, like, not perpetuate this idea of, like, toxicity within, like, biracial relationships or interracial relationships or just being biracial in general, like, this idea of, like, this is my, like, this is how much whiteness has affected me. This is how much my culture and who I am as a person and the way that I visually am presented affects me. Now, let's talk about the gap. Let's talk about what's in between that and why I am where I'm at. But, like, I have to have those conversations with black people sometimes. So, it's like, uh, I don't know. I think it's really, really hard just because I date white people and people tell me I ain't shit because I date white people. So, that's basically why I wanted to have this conversation. But that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that's really, like, a very valid thing to talk about because I think that um, a lot of, like, people that um, are interracial, because I feel like this kind of, at least what you were saying, expands, expands not only to white people, but other POC, even if they're black or brown, that cape for whiteness. Um, they, like, don't understand what they're doing and the person who is not defending whiteness I don't think that there's a level of like what we've been talking about this whole time like reciprocity and emotional reciprocity and sometimes I wonder if it's a lack of emotional intelligence to kind of recognize something because even if I can't always understand a person's view on this or I may not necessarily be aware like intellectually so far as like what you're talking about I could read your emotions to be like, okay, I need to take a step back. So I feel like there's a level of like emotional intelligence that is lacking a lot of times in situations like this that oftentimes is needed for there to be 
actual reciprocity when it comes to kind of dismantling these conversations surrounding whiteness and how that affects people's relationships. Yeah, that's a Okay, well, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and vent about some things in just a sec. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm saving this forever. And we're back. So it's just desserts and we are venting about things. I'm going to start because I have been thinking about this for a very long period of time. I haven't done this podcast in a very long time. And because of the brilliance that is Lee, I'm capable of continuing my podcast, which makes me really, really happy. So I'm giving you praise right now for keeping me together because, like, y'all don't understand how emotional I was at the idea of not being able to continue the table because I put, like, my heart and soul into this. I just kind of jumped into a studio and made a podcast. And I've learned so much through this process, and I just want to continue to do it and grow and invite as many people on the podcast because where are you located, Lee? Chicago. How am I having a conversation with somebody who is in Chicago while I'm in Lawrence? Y'all need to get this train. So that means I can literally do this podcast with anybody. Literally, if you want to be on the podcast here across the nation, like because I'm about to be in Seattle, Washington, like shout out to that. But um, I'll be able to continue our podcast, and I'm so excited about it. Yeah, because there's a couple of free options, like oh, well, we, we this you know setup we got going right now that we can do. And um, there are some apps, too, that aren't horribly, like, they're not going to break the bank. At least I hope not. No, they're big doable fees and, like, means to do this stuff, so it's super awesome. Well, speaking of fees, so, yeah, I'm moving across the nation. I keep talking about this. I'm moving to Seattle, Washington. And I've been looking at apartments and things like that. And it's really frustrating because y'all don't know that it's really, like, I don't even know how to start this. Application fees suck. They are fucking oppressive. And I'm tired of this bullshit. So you have to pay a fee to apply for a house that is non-refundable once you apply for the fee. And it's not guaranteed that you get the home. Explain that to me. Oh, yes. I forgot about, you know, I haven't done a whole moving process in a while. Um, and I was looking this stuff up, uh, cause I was like, thinking about going to the West coast most of the time. I've pretty much decided on where I have to go here in, um, in like the Midwest, but mm-hmm. Oh girl, I remember looking at that cause, uh, I wasn't looking at Washington per se. Um, but more so Seattle. Right. Oh, uh, not Seattle. Um, California, girl. Shoot. Mm-hmm. Tired. But the thing is, like, application fees are, like, stupid expensive. And, like, you're yes. giving, like, so much money. And, like, knowing me, because I am still, like, a college student. I don't get, like, necessarily all the funds, right? But, like, the idea of, like, me having to pay out of pocket, like, all this money to apply for a place and, like, know that I may or may not get it, I don't like that. My anxiety gets high. Y'all know I have anxiety problems. Why are you playing with my coin? I'm like, well, no, financial anxiety? The bitch. But, anyway, not the point. I'm really irritated about it because they know that I'm coming from across the nation. And when you talk to a landlord, too, and you're like, oh, where are you moving from? Kansas. Oh, why are you coming up here? Do you have a job when you get up here? You know if you don't have a job when you get up here, you're not going to be able to finance the fact that you have an apartment. Then when you tell them where you're coming from, they already put it in their heads that they're not going to accept your application, but they don't really take your $50. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's very irritating, but that's all I have. I'm not that mad, but I'm mad. Yeah, I'm not really too mad about what I wanted to vent about. Um, More so just going to say, white women, get it together. I know that you are oppressed as women. I know that I still have male privilege when I walk into spaces. Howsoever, um, I'm going to more so vent about our most recent experience that I had. Uh, Yesterday, on my way to work... um, Mind you, I guess I should set this up. I take the train into work. I pay a lot of damn money for my ticket. A lot of my check comes out for that damn monthly pass. 
Okay, because I, I don't take the regular just CTA bus. I have to take the uh, CTA train or bus. I have to take what's closest to me, and what's closest to me is expensive because it's for people that have real jobs, not this part-time gig I got. So I pay for that. Mind you, there's somebody coming out of the alley, so I can't go through my alley to get around to the other side because we have a lot of one-way streets over where I live. So... I need to get to, like, I have to go around a lot of ways just to be able to get on the proper side of the street so I can park my car near the train station because there's a parking lot over there. Mind you, um, when I was coming out, there was a car that passed me. It was white lady. Fine, no problem. Instead, I am trying to inch my way up and it was very clear that I was trying to make a left turn because there is a strip mall there and I could literally just drive through the strip mall parking lot and get on the right side of the street that I needed to be to be able to make it for my train. And I have four minutes left. And literally, I sped off. And I was honestly hoping I sideswiped her just because of whatever. But, you know, hopefully, you know, karma's always good and hopefully she gets flat tire and then has to replace her tire because she deserves I was like I could have missed this train I am trying to secure the bag I need to secure the bag for a multitude of reasons and here you are just lackadaisical actually laughing at me the fact that I'm visibly stressed and I can't get past you so yeah I don't know fuck her no I don't know what it is about like white people and driving or like just in general, like taking up space. Um, they like to go slow. Like they don't think about it. They just don't think about like you or like what's going on with you. And it could be just me being selfish and centering myself in that moment. But there are like times where, you know, I started doing this because I'm petty and I don't like know how to act right. But like I used to like walk across extremely fast because it's like oh yeah i'm not gonna get in these people's way and like i'm not gonna frustrate you if i see like a white person in a car and i'm walking across the street i will walk very slowly because they walk slow they -hmm. don't think about me in my time frame so why would i think about you in your time frame and i've been honked at when i walk across the street i have never done that to anybody but this white woman really honked at me while i was walking across the street and i stood there because i told you i'm ready to fight Oh, no, with me, I'm very much, like, if I see, like, a white person that is very, like, I'm petty, too. So, like, and maybe that was just karma, because I've seen, like, white people be visibly stressed, and, like... Oh, I love when they're visibly stressed, and you can see the frustration on their faces, because, like, one, I, like, wear all my emotions on my face, but, like, the way that white people get frustrated is funny. So... You can see it from a distance. Like, they went... They, like, speed around me or whatever, and I'm like, go ahead and get that ticket, girl, because it would always be around this section where there's a, a camera, and then they would speed mm-hmm. off, and guess what, guess what would flash? That camera. Mm-hmm. So guess who get the ticket? Yeah. For doing what? Just at, not acting right. They don't act right. And you know, like, I'm, like, the same way. I don't know. I just feel like I'm making fun of these white people. Like, I don't do this myself, but, like, it is what it is. Listen, because I was just like, you you honestly are, like, speeding and everything, and you're doing this in a residential area where there are a whole bunch of kids. So I don't feel no type of way about you going ahead and getting this ticket because any one of these knucklehead-ass children can bust their ass across this street, and guess who's going to end up with manslaughter charges? Not me. You, not me. I'm not going to catch a case for no one. Especially not police. But yet, it's so important, the fact that you can't respect the fact that there is a park here, there is a school here, you need to slow down because there are children present. But you don't care, because they they black and brown, so... Because I know, I know y'all slow down when y'all go over to where all those white kids are, y'all slow down once you get past those certain points where there's a lot of congestion. I see it. Y'all slow down, but as soon, and then you start speeding up as soon as you think that they're not over there. But that's why y'all had to catch a case because 
all because I'm just talking about more so my personal life that we did a science fair experiment where somebody had their uncle who was a cop or whatever had a speedometer and they stood in the car to check to see what how fast people were leaving and like once they picked up their kids the average was 50 after they literally they would pick up their kids there was an intersection and then once they passed that intersection they were going 50 mind you there's still kids walking about no no and these were all white kids all white kids maybe we should do a study because we okay like to be very clear we are like both very like I don't know how to describe it. Like, we're academics, but we're, like, academics in training. Like, we don't want to really be about, like, the academia life, but we're there. I really feel like we could do a study about this, but that's for an off-podcast conversation. Yeah. Because I don't want nobody still not ideas. Well, um, I don't know really how you end this, shit, this shindig, so, um, this... I mean, like, I don't play it. Um, like... Thank you so much for being here. Like, thank you so much for doing this with me. And, like, also go check out Get Gay Pod because, one, I'm on the last, like, this upcoming episode. So, like, it's late. Yes, episode 10. Check it. Yeah, I'm there. So, like, come and talk to us. What were we talking about, Lord? That was literally pride. When we recorded this an hour ago. <laughs> pride, girl. We were That's talking about pride. Yeah, we're talking about pride and just, like, what pride is for us and, like, all this other stuff. And it's really cute. So, like, go listen to that. Um, as always, like, Lee, thank you so much for being my friend. Like, insert um, Golden Girls. Oh, are we doing the gospel one? Oh, 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 oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I just love you so much. You Aww. bring me so much light and joy into my life. Oh gosh, no, please stop because tears and I don't want them. I'm too tired already. Yeah, girl, I'm not saying. I'm about to go watch RuPaul's Drag Race because I'm mad. Lord. Anyway, thank you so much for everybody who's listening. It's super awesome. Um, I'm happy to be back. Like, don't call it a comeback because I'm back and we're going to be doing this for however long I feel like doing this. And um, stay tuned for more things from me and Lee that might be coming in the future. Mm-hmm. I feel like this podcast game, since I'm out of school now, I might actually have time to do shit. Yeah, you know, once we get things situated, we may have we have, may have some things because I have some followers that um, I've kind of alluded to what we were talking about. They're um, they're at least like liking and retweeting my tweets about that. So I'm like, hmm, there's like three or four people already guaranteed, and they have sizable. One of them has like ten thousand followers, and I'm like, why are you following me? <laughs> that, like, I was like, game, just huh? give me a year, and I'm gonna be famous. I'm gonna be a famous activist, and I'm gonna somehow be a famous podcaster. It, like I'm putting it into the link, like I'm putting it into the air. So speak it. Speak this. Look, we're not playing no more. This is not a game no more for you hoes. Anyway, Lee, thank you so much for being here, and listeners, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. Bye. Bye.